we're pleased to have Arthur with us this afternoon, aren't we? I'm glad about this wonderful salvation that draws us, draws us from north, south, east and west and makes us to be one in Christ. Praise the Lord. Brother Arthur. I'd like to just read a verse from uh, Romans 8. In the 8th chapter of the book of Romans and the 21st verse. Romans 8 verse 21. And there at the end of the verse, it talks about the glorious liberty of the children of God. Not just the liberty of the children of God, but the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, this is, uh, this is not just wonderful, it's glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's glorious, and it's a glorious liberty. Now, we've known much about measure, but the purpose of God in fullness is to bring us into fullness of liberty. Now, I've heard a lot of people, you know, there were three feasts mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, there was the feast of the Passover. The children of Israel were in bondage. They were down in Egypt, Egypt. And they were under the, the, the then known Nasa, the Pharaoh that was then. And they were, the, the, they were in bondage there. And God purposed to bring them out with a mighty hand. And whatever he did and whatever he purposed to do, Pharaoh was just as much determined that he shouldn't do it. And what happened? Well, God finally said, he said, now look, every house take a lamb. Every house take a lamb and slay the lamb and apply the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts. And the angel of death will pass through the land. And wherever the blood is upon the doorpost, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now this was the feast of the Passover. Now, the children of Israel were in bondage to Pharaoh. Now, this has all been fulfilled at Calvary. Because this is where God has now taken his lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has been applied to the lintels of the heart post in my life. And there's no condemnation. I've entered into liberty and glorious liberty. And now there's no condemnation. Now then, the feast of the Passover was fulfilled at Calvary. But there was another feast. There was a feast of weeks, seven weeks, seven sevens of 49. And on the 50th day, oh, they had a great... They had a great celebration at the Feast of Weeks. Now this second feast was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And they were all together in one place with one accord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful they were with one accord before the Holy Ghost fell? <laughs> hallelujah. Now most folks seem to think you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to make you with one accord. But they were there before it happened. God had worked with them to get a company of people. I believe there was 120, if I remember. 120 people. And they were with one heart and one soul and one mind and a one accord. And suddenly something happened suddenly. And the Holy Spirit of God fell upon them. 
and there was a personal particular fulfillment of the Feast of Weeks on the day of Pentecost. And since then, everybody's been rejoicing, hallelujah, in Pentecost. All right. But now listen, there were three feasts. And with all due respects, I, I, I hope I'm not treading upon anybody's toes here this afternoon, but uh, with all due respects to many sincere Christians who've preached and declared, back to Pentecost, back to Pentecost, the sons of God go back to nothing, they go forward. We've nothing to go back to. We go forward. And there's a third feast. There's a third feast. And this feast is a feast of tabernacles. And just as Calvary was the fulfillment of the feast of the Passover, and just as the day of Pentecost was the fulfillment of the feast of weeks, there is a personal, literal, and actual fulfillment of the feast of tabernacles, which has not yet taken place. The third feast. Well, what was the third feast? Well, it was harvest. Everything came to fullness. They dwelled in booths. They lived in tents. They got, the, they, they got loose from their security. And they got out and they got moving a bit. And something happened. They were neither bogged down or held down. Something happened with this company of people. And they began to celebrate the blessing of God in harvest. And if you think, brother, sister, that when you get a collection of cabbages and cucumbers and melons and potatoes and tomatoes in some Methodist church in October and you call it a harvest festival, if you think that is God's fulfillment of the third feast in the Old Testament, I tell you in Jesus' name there's something, something, something far bigger than cucumbers and cabbages and melons and tomatoes. Thank God that all is safely gathered in ere the winter storms begin. Yes! But God has a personal, particular fulfillment of the third feast. When, and, and what's going to happen in this third feast? Well, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Do you think that Jesus Christ is coming back for a weak, anemic, sickly church, squint-eyed, humpty-back, running with pests and sores? Is this the picture that you have? Is not the Lord Jesus Christ coming back for a harvest? Isn't he going to have a people prepared for him in that day? Is there not going to be a real harvest? Isn't God going to do something to bring his people to fullness? Well, some people have caught the vision anyway. And where there's no vision, the people perish. But where there's a vision, the people live. Glory to God. And once you see the vision, there's yet to be. God has something. So many people think it's all over and done with. You can hear a lot of negative people. And the best they can do is bleat and mourn about back to Pentecost. But glory to God, there's something else and the Spirit of God is moving upon the people of God to bring the people of God to fullness. Now where you've got measure, things only work in measure. They don't operate in fullness until you've got fullness. Well, God is about to do this wonderful work in, in, in his people. He, he's already started the job. He's already doing something. And we find out this, that now... Uh, the Lord's purpose at this time is to bring you and bring me into fullness. Now, you remember what happened in Ezekiel. They got a company of... Uh, they, 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 uh, Ezekiel 47, isn't it? The water. The water came out from under the door. And first of all, it was ankle deep. Then it was knee deep. And then it was waist deep. But each time it was a measure. Then he says there, I couldn't pass over. And then there were waters to swim in. 
Now, while ever you're in measure, and this is how you know whether you're in measure or whether you're in fullness. If you're in measure, you've got pain and strain. If you're out of measure, you've no pain and you've no strain. So now you know whether you're in measure or out of measure. You can know, I tell you, you can apply this as a plumb line to your life and you can find out whether you're living in measure in your pocket and in your purse, whether you're living in measure in your health, in your body, whether you're living in measure in your ministry, living in measure in your feelings, in your spiritual experiences, you can find out on this one principle alone. Because when you are living in measure, you've pain and strain. When you're out of measure, you've no pain and no strain. I have no pain, dear mother, now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, now, isn't this so? You know, you folks who've gone paddling and bathing, you know the difference. When you go paddling and when you go bathing, you've got your feet on the bottom. You've got security. And whenever you've got security, you're secure. God can't get you moving. Now, there's nothing wrong in security. There's nothing wrong with a pay packet at the end of the week. There's nothing wrong in riches. But the Lord Jesus spake unto certain who trusted in their riches. This is another situation. And God has to get us to a place out of measure into fullness. But there's one thing that marks the difference between measure and fullness. He has to have a confession come from his lips. I could not, I could not, I could not pass over. Now you come to bankruptcy in the realm of the spirit. And along every line in the natural, bankruptcy is a terrible thing. But once you come to bankruptcy in the spirit, it's the very birth of everything that God does. How can you know in a way that's not known? How can you know in a way that's not known? If the Spirit of God is going to take you away that's not known, how can you know? It's demanded that men and women go out, even as Christopher Columbus went out, not knowing, knee plus ultra, nothing beyond, but God took him. And he discovered a new world. Well, God is, is in his church with his people. He's doing something now along this line to move you and to move me out of measure. So many people don't know what belongs to them. They don't know. The book declares, if a son, then an heir. Hallelujah. If a son, then an heir. Do you see this, brother, sister? If you're in the royal family, there's no such thing as a bankrupt son. If a son, then an heir. Bless the Lord. Well, some of us know what this means. Um, you know, the... Uh, huh. Solicitor puts his glasses on the end of his proboscis, his nose, <laughs> and he looks round and there they are all sitting there so sad, mostly perhaps dressed in black and maybe weeping crocodile tears and looking so mournful and so sad, whilst inside they're thinking, I wonder if he left me anything. <laughs> I wonder if he left me anything. Then he puts his spectacles on his nose and then he says, now the last will and testament of John William Smith, Thomas, uh, so on and so forth. Now then, and he begins to open up. And he says, um, hmm, you're all right. He's left you 5,000 pounds and his little house by the seaside. You're all right. <laughs> you can take the smile off your face. There's nothing for you. He's left you well. <laughs> Nothing for you. Uh, yes, you're all right. Um, he's left you a thousand shares in the company and also he's left you his Rover car. That's for you. Yes, and you're all right. There's 10,000 for you. But there's nothing for you. <laughs> You've been left out. 
Now this is one of the things that happens with the will. Some are taken in and some are left out. But in the purpose and the plan of God, there's nobody left out in the family. If you're a son, then you're, then you're an heir. Now this is the wonderful thing about it. If you're a sister, you're a son if you've received Jesus. Because the word of the Lord declares, John chapter 1, as many as received him, not one less, not one more, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become. Power to become. Power to become what? Angels? No, the sons of God. So there's no male or female in this family. We're all sons. If you're in, you're a son. Glory to God. Now then, this is the thing. God has sent the Holy Spirit to execute the will. And as you know, no will is operative while the testator is still alive. Well, how are you getting on, Charlie? Oh, not so bad, not so bad. But I'm like a lot of other people, you know, I could do with a little bit more of the ready. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. I suppose you could. Yes, I was hoping to get a rise, but I didn't get it. Mind you, I'll be all right when Auntie Annie dies. She's left me 30,000 in her will. There's just one thing about it. She's still alive. <laughs> and the old dear's 92 and still going strong. I sometimes think she'll live me out. Oh, yes. And where is she? Well, well, uh, she's living somewhere out in Adelaide, I think it is, or Melbourne. She's out in Australia. I've not heard anything about her for weeks and oh months, oh years. It must be five or six or seven years. Haven't heard anything at all about her. Ah, I see. Uh-huh. Oh, well, don't you think you should inquire? Well, I suppose the solicitors would let me know if, the, uh, uh, the, if uh, dear old auntie passed away. Hmm, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Tell you what I'll do. I've got my aunt's uncle's cousin's nephew's uh, brother... <clears throat> Uh, lives out in Australia, and the next time we write, we'll just check up and see how Auntie Anne's getting on, because he lives very close. Hello. Listen, something to tell you. Yes? What? You know what we talked about a few weeks ago, about, well, I checked up. Do you know something? What? No. Auntie Annie's been dead seven years. What? Yes, she has. Well, nobody told me. No, well, that's true. Well, there must be a plot on here. Something's afoot. Something's afoot. There's some dirty work at the crossroads. Maybe. Maybe. But you better find out from you as solicitors just what's going on. Because it looks to me as if there's a plot to do you out of your inheritance. Well, well, don't you see something? The moment... The testator, that's the person who, who leaves the will, the moment they die, the will comes in operation. Now, this book, this is the New Testament, it's the new will, and our Lord Jesus has died, and he's risen again, and he sent his Holy Spirit, heaven's solicitor, to acquaint you with the terms of the will, that you might know what belongs to you in Christ Jesus. And there's an awful lot of people don't know What's theirs under the terms of the will? The glorious liberty of the sons of God. People don't know that God has sent his Holy Spirit to acquaint them with the terms of the will. And some of us have had our eyes open. We're not pretending to know it all, are we? But, but God has done something with us and the Spirit of God has made us aware that if we're sons, then we're heirs. 
And there are lots of things that we've put up with and suffered and thought we had to, that now, by the grace of God and the revelation of the Spirit of God, as we're coming into the fullness of the revelation of God, we're beginning to see that God has called us to a tremendous inheritance in Christ Jesus. People who dragged around with sickness in their bodies, pain and pain and pain, and being in slavery and bondage to sickness and death, I've not heard the wonderful news of Romans 8 verse 2 that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Notice the term. The law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus has made me free. Not will make me free. Not will make me free but has made me free. You're not going to be free. You are free. Now this is part of the terms of the will. You've got to know the devil will have you with a carrot dangled on the, uh, on the end of a stick and he'll sit on your back as if you were an ass and he'll lead you on and you'll follow the carrot and as the carrot moves, the stick moves, the devil moves and the donkey moves because the devil's riding on your back. Now Jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We, we, we pray that like parrots and so often miss the truth. Why? Because you don't ever have truth without humbling yourself to have it. And if you don't pay, you buy truth by humbling yourself. And if you don't pay, well then you don't get. Well now, this is one of the things that God has sent the Holy Spirit to acquaint us with all its hours in Christ Jesus. How many people are saying, well, I believe the Lord's going to heal and they miss it. The devil doesn't mind. I tell you this, brother, sister, there are people who have come to meetings, and you know it, and I know it, they've come to meetings, and they've got in the spirit, and the Lord has blessed them, and they've started singing, he snapped my fetters, and they set me free, set me free. Oh, yes, they've had a wonderful time. And after the meeting, ah, oh, well, bless you, brother, bye-bye, God bless you, hallelujah, amen. Yes, don't forget your Bible, don't forget your specs, here, put your coat on, and your hat, and then the devil's just waiting in the porch. And he says, don't forget your feathers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I nearly forgot my feathers. That's right. Right. I'm off. I've got my feathers. And they take them back again. Take them back again. He's not my feathers. And he said, be free, set me. Oh, give me my feathers. I can't go without my feathers. We smile, but it happens, brother. It happens, sister. Before you know what you, what, what's happening, the devil's put a halt around you and a bit and bridle in your mouth and you're following the carrot again. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. He came to make us free. The glorious liberty of the sons of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It's not just liberty, it's glorious liberty. Now then, when you come out to be prayed for, and hands are laid upon you in Jesus' name. Don't go to your body to find out what your health is. Don't go to your body to find out what your health is. Go to the word of the Lord. When you want to know what your condition is financially, don't go to your purse. Go to the word of the Lord. It's no good going to your purse. Now you do this in measure. But in fullness, if you're coming into fullness, you can afford to do what you can't afford to do because you can't afford to do it. The widow woman, Elijah says to her, bake me a cake first. Well, I've got an obligation, I've got a responsibility to my son. She could have said that. 
But listen, there are some people will never have a move because they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. What are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? Jesus declared after the cross of Calvary, he says it is finished. He said what he meant and he meant what he said. There's nothing to do, you can't add to a finished work. It's like taking a tin of wool with hard gloss out and start painting God's lilies. You can't add to a finished work, God has finished the work. Well, all I've got to do is enter into and receive the finished work and his is the glory because he did the work. I don't belong to cooperative society any longer. I'm not drawing divvies. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what I mean by that? Well, this is what I mean. There was a long, long time when I was helping God out and trying to prop him up. I got an idea that I got to run around God's universe like a scalded cat, helping him out because he needed me. Oh, hallelujah. Thine is the kingdom and thine is the glory forever and ever. Tell you a little story that happened in Sheffield. Uh, this is going back years ago, before, well, it must be nearly 10 years ago. I was helping some brethren and uh, they were doing market work. And there was a little sister, some of you might even know her, but I'm not going to tell you any more than her name. But anyway, she was only about four feet nine, and her name was Phoebe. And this little sister, <clears throat> doesn't live many miles away from here, this little sister, she used to help in this market work. And this brother, this brother, I, 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 I drove a van often and helped them out at markets. And this brother, he went to Sheffield Market this day, and he got little Phoebe with him. Now, if you know anything at all about market work, you know this, that the first thing about market work is you get in and you get out as soon as you can. There are other people in the queue waiting to unload on the stalls and you can't just prate and, uh, and carry on all day blethering to this one and that one. You get your goods and you get them out and you get out. Now, something went wrong with the van. It stalled and it wouldn't start. So, uh, this brother, he got all his stuff out and he was ready for going, but the thing wouldn't start. And it was, arr, 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 arr. And uh, he thought, oh dear, what can I do? Well, I could shove it in gear, but I've nobody to push for me. And then he looked round on little Phoebe, all four feet nine of her. It was so ridiculous because he's a big hefty fella and obviously if there was any shoving to have been done he ought to have done the shoving and she ought to have sat inside but she couldn't drive. He was the driver so now you've got the amazing situation uh, of this brother sitting there in the driving seat and little Phoebe at the back and he, uh, he's poking his head out the window he says, can you give me a push Phoebe? Give me a push. So she's there and she's at the back trying to push barely rocking it, barely moving it. And this brother keeps looking. Can you push a bit harder? Now, there were five big brawny Yorkshiremen. They put the stalls up at Sheffield Market and they were sitting there with their sleeves rolled up, smoking their fags and uh, just taking it easy. And they looked at this little snippet of a woman trying to push the van. And uh, not very gentlemanly-like, rather raucous, and rudely, they started laughing. Ha, 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 ha. And, and here they are, five great big brawny fellas, absolutely nearly splitting their sides as they see poor little Phoebe trying to push this van. So she turns around with them, and she gives them some salt, pepper, and mustard. She says, you great big oafs, if there was anything at all about you, you'd come and help a woman instead of standing there criticizing. Come and help. Come and help. Come and help me. 
So they get down, you know, these big fellows, and they come over to her. One of them says, he says, what did you say? And she says, give me a hand. He says, you'll understand this, of course. He says, give me a hand, lass. Give me a hand. Get out of the road. Get out of the road. And he just took one great arm and pushed her out the way. And all five of them got at the back of the van. And the van just took one rock like that. And then, driver sitting inside, and all of a sudden, he jumps at him, and away he goes. The Spirit of the Lord's come on, Phoebe, like it did on Samson. Must be the Spirit of God's come on her. He then stopped, he shot up the aisle, and he went out, and, uh, oh, this is wonderful, this is wonderful. It must be the Spirit of the Lord's come on, Phoebe. When he got back, of course, he learned what had happened. But the reason I've told you that story is this, brother, sister. You see, so often, we're like poor little Phoebe. We say to the Lord, come and give me a help. I'm propping your kingdom up for you. I'm trying to help you out, and you don't seem bothered at all, stuck up there in the skies. Don't you see, I'm getting all upset. I've nearly had a nervous breakdown seeing to you affairs. It's about time you came down and saw the things yourself. I'm having to do it all. I'm running around here and there and all over the place. What about you? Well, we've all done this sort of thing, haven't we? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down, but he has a job on with some of us to get us to lie down. I tell you... It's, it's a lifetime's job to get some of us to lie down. Well, there it is. How many of us have spent our days and spent our hours in frothings and fumings and efforts of the flesh, not knowing that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, God is doing something in these days, which is a minimum of effort on your part, because the bigger anything God does, the less a man there's in it. Huh. Could you see Moses staggering home at the end of the day? Oh, oh I have had a day. I have had a day. Oh, dear me. Oh, well, what have you been doing, Moses? Well, don't you understand? I've rolled the sea back today. I've rolled the sea back today. If you knew how I felt tonight, I, I, I'm ready for a nervous breakdown. If there was some, some tablets or something. No, listen. The bigger the thing is that God does, the less a man there is in it. And if God's going to do much, he'll do it with little. But if he's going to do everything, he'll do it with nothing. But then he's got to find somebody who's prepared to be nothing. And just be an eyewitness and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. It's so easy. Do you remember that advert on the TV? Johnson's is the polish. What was It's so easy. It's so easy. Do you remember that? I don't think they put it on now, but I remember it years ago. It's so easy. Well, I find that this way is so easy. But I'm speaking as a man who's fought with God and argued and found the way hard and difficult. But not now, not now. Oh, hallelujah. It's so easy, this way of the Spirit. Now, you know where you are, because if you're, if you're feeling pain and strain, you're in measure. You see, you've got your feet on the bottom. Well, I'm ankle deep, I'm knee deep, I'm up to the lines. You've got your feet on the bottom. Yes. So you've got security. God bless the prudential. 
Well, I've got me little bit of money in the bank. And I'm in with the odd fellas, and I'm in with the pearl. I'm all right. Like a little boy who puts a tin lid down the seat of his pants to take off the force of the blows when father comes home. It says of Wesley, who's brought up at the devout knee of a spiritual mother and the ardent knee of an earnest father. Over the ardent knee of an earnest father. Well, you see, the point is this. There's no glory or virtue in being a glutton for punishment. Some people struggle on to try and prove... Well, what do they try to prove? Martyrs to punishment, gluttons to punishment. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Someone said to me the other day, the Christian life is hard. I said, brother, it isn't hard, it's impossible. <laughs> this is what? It's impossible. There's only one person who can live the Christian life, and that's Jesus Christ. Let him have a go in you. Let him have a go in you. Your trouble's been, you've been shoving the van all your days. Get out the road and let God do his own work. But, 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 but we're co-workers with God. Yes, in the day of measure. In the day of measure, co-workers with God. Yes, we draw our divvy. But in the day of fullness, in the day of fullness, I tell you, something's about to happen amongst the people of God where they move out and they come to a place of bankruptcy I could not pass over. Now, what happens when you go out into waters to swim in? Well, just that. You've either got to sink or swim. Now, it's as simple as that. All your life, you've had your feet on the bottom. You've felt your security. You've got it. And now you're faced with something that's not ankle deep, knee deep, or loin deep, but you find that the pressure of God is moving you out into waters to swim in. Well, somebody's got to put their arms underneath you, or else you've got to now employ a new principle, or you're going to drown. But something begins to happen, because you begin to move in the realm of the Spirit. And as you move, you now begin to find that every wave that would swamp you now bears you up. Because another principle operates. Now, in everything that's been, it's been necessary to have security and to have, uh, uh, and, and to have something to lean on. We've played musical chairs with God long enough, hung on to this chair and tried to reach that one, and afraid of the music stopping in the middle. But now God's arranged it so nicely. He's whipped the chair from under you, set me down so you cannot go back. Whipped the chair from under you, set me down so you cannot go back. And, and, and you're faced with this, there's only one thing you can do, and that's go forward. The chair you sat on's gone, and if the music stops, what will happen? Well, it's no good wondering what will happen. Go forward. <laughs> well, Lord, I'll cross a thousand Jordans if you roll the water back the day before I get there. But he just doesn't, you see, it doesn't work like that. The word of the Lord is, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests rest in Jordan. Well, 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 what shall I do about it? Can I just test it? No, he didn't say test, he said rest. You can't dip your toe in like some people do, find out if the water's cold before they dive in. You can't do that. You can't do that. You have to commit yourself. There's a commitment. The word of the Lord is as soon as the souls of the feet of the priest rest in Jordan. Now, if you're going to rest, you go beyond the point of no return. You find the whole weight of your body is on the foot that you put forward, so you're committed. Now this was so with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the three Hebrew children. They said, our God is able, and he will. But if not, we won't. Hallelujah. Oh, to me this is a bigger thing than delivering them in the fire. That he got them to the place where they could look all furious Nebuchadnezzar in the face and we say, we're not careful. We're not careful. 
were not careful to answer thee. What a wonderful work. But they were operating in fullness. Now measure, you delivered from. With fullness, you delivered in. The Apostle Paul, he was operating in fullness. Even in the Philippian jail, with a bleeding back. Somebody said to me the other day, the first thing Paul did in every town he got to, he went and inspected the jail. He knew that's where he'd finish up, so he had a look at it. Just see what, uh, what accommodation was like, bed and breakfast and so on. He knew he'd finish up there before he left, so he might as well go and see it. <laughs> well, they didn't keep him there at the beginning. Well, now Paul was in prison, uh, a Philippi, uh, with a bleeding back. And Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Now, can you, in psychology or any mental explanation, can you find any reason why two men with bleeding backs in a prison cell could sing praises to God at the midnight hour? And there's an awful lot of people I know with electric blankets and hot water bottles and every convenience and they go to bed and moan and groan every night. <laughs> God did something in fullness. Glory to God. In fullness. Oh, brother, sister, I, I sometimes wonder whether we've begun yet. You see, you see, Paul, it, it just didn't have any effect. Well, he wasn't a wonderful man, he had a wonderful God. It was the Spirit of the Lord upon him. And the Spirit of God did something with a man that at midnight he couldn't contain. He burst his backs and he shouted praises unto God with a bleeding back. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you see? Do you see? This is God. There's no reasonable actual explanation for it. It's God. The Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. Oh, hallelujah. He grabbed the thing nearest to him. If he'd lived now, it might have been a coat hanger or one of these. But it just happened to be the jawbone of an ass. And he picked the jawbone of an ass up and he went through those Philistines like a hot knife through butter. He slew a thousand of them. I don't know how many got away, but he slew a thousand. What do you say to me? Do you know any living man who's ever walked God's earth who could tackle more than ten men without a lethal weapon? I don't care what his name is, whether it's Cassius Clay or whoever he is. I don't believe there's any man living could tackle more than ten men, unless he's got a machine gun or a bomb or something. But this man, with nothing more, literally, it could have been a coat hanger or a vase or a rolled-up newspaper, it wouldn't have made any difference. It just happened to be the nearest thing at hand, the jawbone of an ass. And the Spirit of God came on him. And he went through that lot. I tell you, there was a thousand of them slain. Woo, woo, this way now. Oh, I tell you, it was more exciting that day than going to the cup final. Amen. I should love to have seen it. Oh, hallelujah. He slew a thousand. I don't know how many ran away, but he slew a thousand. Now, the secret of Samson's strength was in the source of Samson's strength, which was the Spirit of God. And this is available to you and to me today. Available in measure until you moved out of measure and then available in fullness. And this is the purpose of God to bring us into fullness. Oh, glory to God. <sighs> My word, some Christians maybe compared to Paul I, I look at some of these apostles and I think, my God, stitched up in the skins of wild animals and thrown on the sanded arena of the Colosseum at Rome to be worried to death by live animals. And as fast as ever they were worried to death, the very jailers that threw them in came under the spirit of conviction from the Holy Ghost and queued up to go in line to die for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes I wonder just whether we've begun yet, whether we've begun. Paul says, in a basket, 
Through a window was I let down the wall of Damascus. In a basket, through a window, was I let down the wall of Damascus. Who's this? Well, it's the great Apostle Paul. Well, can't they give him a better send-off than this? No, no. In a basket, through a window, was I let down the wall. Eh? Right. Now, are you all right? Are you all right, Paul? Right, right. Now, shh, shh. Right. Lower him down. Slowly, slowly. Right. Okay. Down. Right. Don't! See our modern evangelists laden down with love offerings. <laughs> off, off to the airport. Off to the airport. God be with you till we meet again. Ah, bless you, brother. It's been so wonderful having you with us. Yes, yes. I wish they'd paid me in paper money instead of all this silver. Alexander the Coppersmith did me much harm. Right. Uh, yes, put him on board. I hope it doesn't sink the plane. Well, what's all this lot? Are the bombs? No, this is the love offerings. Right. Okay. Yes. Paul says, in a basket through a window was I let down. Well, this man was operating in fullness. He says, thrice I was beaten with rods. Five times we see thy forty stripes save one. A night and a day in the deep. Yes. But listen. What God had put in him was greater than all that came against him. Prosecution is God's income tax. The bigger your income, the bigger your tax. <laughs> oh, you wait till you're paying 19 and 6 in the pound tax. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. You mean to say all I get out of my pound is sixpence? Yes. And all I get out of my pound is sixpence? Yes. Yes. The government has 19 and 6. Oh. But listen, brother, think of all the pound notes you had before you got to the place where you're paying 19 and 6 in the pound income tax. You've got a tremendous income of you paying 19 and 6 in the pound. And listen, some people, a puff of wind would blow them out because their income's so little. But when the Spirit of God is moving in fullness in the sons of God, and I believe we're about to see this in our day, I believe God is enlarging us Enlarging, yes, enlarging us, sister. Enlarge, yes, enlarging us, brother. Oh, well, where? In the meeting? Huh, not necessarily. No, no. Well, 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 where do we get enlarged? Well, it's not like trying on a new pair of shoes or something, or a new pair of corsets or something. Well, well, where do we get enlarged? Huh. Well, would you like to know? It wasn't. David didn't say I was enlarged at the Whitsuntide Convention. He didn't say I was enlarged at the Christmas Convention. He says I was enlarged in my distress. <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, brother. You don't preach. You don't preach nice things, you don't. Well, it's in the book, anyway. It's in the book. And I tell you this, it works. You're enlarged in your distress. God pushes you out of measure. Don't you see it? You've paddled long enough. Oh, and you've paddled and bathed all your days. And as soon as ever you got out to about here, you ran back to the shore. You cried for your mammy in the towel. And you didn't want to go any farther. You said, I can't pass over. I don't want to go. And somebody's got to throw you in or push you out. And then what happens when we get out of our depths? Hallelujah. Isn't it lovely to be put in a corner and God to pin your ears to the wall? What? What? Yeah. Didn't you know this is God's permanent address? Wits End Corner. It's death to the flesh, but it's 
flight to the spirit. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you see, this is the thing. We fight to keep our feet on the bottom. We fight to keep our feet on the bottom. Oh, if I can only have my security. If I can only have our hurries with the money. If I can only live here. I don't want to go there. I don't, I don't. No, no, no. And then he begins to lead us out. Hallelujah. And then he has to push us out. And we talk, as our brother said this afternoon. Well, under the circumstances. Under the circumstances. <laughs> We're very much under the circumstances. But oh, hallelujah. When you see the hand of God in your circumstances and you know that God is moving you out to bring you in. The children of Israel weren't willing to come in. They weren't willing to go. But God made it impossible to stop. <laughs> hallelujah. He sent the hornets and all sorts of things. He made it that hot for them. <laughs> they had to move, you see. Well, you may not be willing to go, but you make it impossible for you to stop. Well, Elijah, what's the trouble? Well, I've got no water. The brook's dried up. And the water's gone. Ah, 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 ah. The brook's dried up. Well, it's no good you're sticking by a dried up brook. You'll die of thirsty. And after all, you created the situation. You tied and shut the heavens up with a living word from God on your lips. You said there shall not be due no rain. So you, you have brought it about by the word that you prophesied. Now you'll have to drink your own medicine and that's about all you will drink. Well, now then he was moved out and he was faced with a situation of greater impossibility. Down he comes to the widow. I've commanded a widow. Oh my God, can't you do any better than this one? I've commanded a widow woman. Look at this poor woman. She's on her last stretch. She's got, she's got her son here and she's got a face like a bloodhound, bags under her eyes, and she's just ready to pack up and, and clear off and go out. She says, well, I'm just busy making a little meal for myself and my, my son, and then we're going to sit down and die. Oh, my God, what negativism. But anyway, this is, talk about sending you to positive people. There were no positive people about. The Lord sent Elijah to this woman, and she's ready to die. And the challenge comes to her to move out of measure into fullness. Uh, well, I can't pass over. Of course you can't. Oh, I've never been this. Of course you haven't been this way before. Well, what do we do? Well, bake me a cake first. And the wonder of it, that this little widow woman sparked off the machinery of heaven from her side. The switch is in heaven, but the faith is on earth. And she touched the switch from her side by baking the prophet a cake first. Let me ask you something. Do you only do what you can afford to do? You haven't begun yet with fullness, if that's so. That's measure. If you do what you can afford to do, financially, materially, spiritually, you have not entered into fullness. Because once you're in fullness, nobody can frighten you. You say, well, what are you doing there? Me? I'm swimming. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. Have you got your feet on? No, we don't have our feet on the bottom when we swim. Well, you've no security. No, I haven't. But it's lovely. It's what? It's lovely. Oh, well, well, how do you do it? Well, you just don't do anything. Listen, the, the puppies do it when they're born. It's only clever man that has to learn. Oh, yes. Well, what do you do? Well, just fill your air, fill your lungs with air, and lean back as if you're in bed. Put your arms back of your head and twiddle your toes. Amen. 
It works, brothers and sisters. Some of us have found it works, haven't we? Yes, literally as well as spiritually. You can do it. Just put your hands at the back of your head like that next time you're in the water. Fill your lungs right up and kick your legs right out. And then just let your toes go up and down like that. Put your hands at the back of your head and just relax as if you're in bed. And you won't sink. Hallelujah. You see all these people struggling and frothing and fuming and blowing and blustering and so on. Nothing to do. Never so easy. This realm of the Spirit is the most wonderful, glorious realm of all. And listen, this is it. Once you're out of your depth, you see, you're nothing to measure. Nothing to measure. You can't measure with your ankles because you can't touch the bottom. You can't measure with your knees because you can't touch the bottom. You can't measure with your loins. Where's deep because you can't touch the bottom. Well, how much water are you in? Oh, I should say I'm about 8 or 10 feet. Well, listen, you mustn't go out there. It's 20 feet. It's all right. I'm not afraid of 20 feet. I'd sink in 10. So you can't scare me with 20. Listen, you can't scare me with 30 or 40 or 50. I'm out of my depths. So I have no pain, dear mother, now. <laughs> now this is the wonderful thing, brother, sister. Once you move out of yourself and out of your depth and into God, you cease to have pain and strain. Now face this in your life. Your finances, where do you go to find out what you can do and what you can't do? You go to your purse. Or you go to the bank. Or do you? You go to your purse. And so you measure according to your purse what you can afford to do. So you reveal where you are, you're in measure. But the point is this, you don't go to your purse. You go to the word of God. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches by Christ Jesus. Now, he doesn't meet your need according to your need, but he meets them according to his riches. But then you know, and I know, and we all know what happens. Now, some of us have to trust God all the time. We live at Whitsang Corner. Other men have died to sort of get in to where I am. But I find it very lovely and very comfortable. God meets me every, every week. The people of God didn't call me, so they can't let me down. <laughs> the God of the people called me. And any complaints go to headquarters. <laughs> but I then take them. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you don't go to your past, you go to the world. Now, for your physical condition, how many people have come out to be prayed for and then immediately, well, are you here? Well, wh where, where are you going? Well, I was just tapping my chest. You don't go to your body, you go to the Word. You've missed it right away. You go back to your body. Abraham considered not and he staggered not. If you start considering, you'll have a fit of the staggers. <laughs> you don't go to your body. When you're prayed for, when you've had hands laid upon you, you do not consult your body and say, Now, body, will you tell me is God a liar or has he told me the truth? You don't go to your body, you go to the Word. His word is life unto all those who find it and health to all their flesh. You go to the word, Proverbs 4, verse 20. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. All right? Just coming quickly to a close. Uh, now, for your spiritual condition. Oh, 
I don't feel very well. I think I'm out with God. You are, bro. You're out without a doubt. <clears throat> well, what are you doing? You're going to your feelings to find out your condition. But every time you don't go to your past, you don't go to your, your body, you don't go to your feelings, you go to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is creative. God didn't ever do anything. He just spoke and it was done. Now that word is still creative. Creative. The centurion knew it. He should speak the word only. Oh, hallelujah. So we don't have to get armies with shovels and picks and one thing and another. Speak the word. Speak the word. And as Jesus says the words I speak, the spirit and their life. Brother, sister, the life of God and the creation of God is in the word of God. And you'll find as you go to that word, you'll find the answer to your problem. Huh. Well, how are you, Mrs. Stoneholm? <laughs> You're just asking for trouble, asking anybody how they are. She'll just straddle herself right in the doorway like this. And she'll give you a detailed post-mortem right from head to toe. <laughs> well, you see, first of all, there's me sinus. That's bothering me a bit. Then there's me, me heart's a bit out. And, of course, there's me rheumatics and so on. And she'll keep you 20 minutes telling you how she isn't. <laughs> now, brother, sister, don't misunderstand me. I, I'm, I'm not wanting to be critical or hard. There are many of the saints of God who've got problems. But you won't get to the end of your problems by studying your problems and brooding over your problems. Abraham considered not and he staggered not. Some people enjoy their misery. Some people enjoy their afflictions and there's nothing they like better. They can't be the center of the picture any other way. So they give you a detailed report of all that's going on from head to toe. Well, I knew a dear lady like this and I thought, well, 20 to 25 minutes, nobody can get out the hall. She blocks the gangway. She tells everybody. So I beat her to it every time. I said, hello, sister so-and-so. And I didn't ask her how she was. I told her how she was. You never had it so good. Oh, she says, but you don't understand. It's my breathing. Well, I says, you are still breathing, aren't you? <laughs> now, please don't misunderstand me here. I have no intention of hurting anybody in this meeting. But I do say to you, in the name of the Lord, you will not find what you're looking for in your body for health. You go to the Word for your health and not your body. You go for the meeting of your needs, not to your purse, but to the Word. You go for your spiritual condition to the Word and not to how you feel. Some people come in a meeting and they sit down in a meeting. Oh. Oh. Let the redeemed of the Lord shut up. And there are actually many of the people of God that will praise the Lord when they feel like it. There's a sacrifice of praise. God isn't just good when you feel he's good. Are you going to insult him with a bag of feelings that are God dishonoring? Listen, the Lord's wonderful all the time, whether you feel he's wonderful or not. And it'll do you good to break forth into singing. To break forth. To break forth and to get out of your grave. And listen, there's no hour like the hour of your defeat when you can so please God. Hallelujah. Because then you come. Oh, Hallelujah. Lord, I praise you. Now, this, this operates in fullness. The other's in measure. So I know where I am. Because in measure, I have pain and strain. But in fullness, there's a release 
into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. I'll sit down, but before I do, I'll say this. If I've hurt anybody, I don't apologize for hurting you. I would apologize if I'd done it deliberately. But I have not meant to hurt you deliberately. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, there are some people who are bogged down and they need something like a bomb under them to shift them. You see, and, and they've got preconceived ideas. The Lord's going to do something for me. He's not going to do something for you. He's done it. But the Lord's going to do He's not going to deliver you. He's delivered you. It's always in the past and people are putting it into the future. This is what the Holy Spirit's bringing that we might know what's in the will. Well, all you've got to do, when you know what's in the will, well, make your application, and then you find what's in the will becomes yours. Amen. Well, it's done me, God. And if it's done you, God, shout praise the Lord. I think we'll stand and sing, and we'll take up the offering as we sing, Sons of God, March forth.